Thank you so much, uh, Stan and Linda, for, for sharing about that, that opportunity we have to be involved. And thank you, those of you here, for taking the opportunity to listen about how we can care for children in these needy places around the world. And we've clearly seen the needs that they have, uh, both in the examples that they were giving, but also just considering the severe disruption that, that COVID has brought to everyone's life around the world. I can imagine it would be much more difficult to minister in many places. What we do see, though, with kids there, as well as children even here, is a, a great need that we focus on as a church, and that is the need for them to hear about Jesus, to hear truth from God's Word, to understand who God is and have the opportunity to learn about Him and come to know Him through faith in Christ. And as believers in Christ, as a church, we can have a role in that, in children coming to know Christ. Jesus tells us that His kingdom belongs to children and those like Him. We've been talking the past couple of weeks, looking in the book of Nehemiah and talking about how God's people are building the physical walls of Jerusalem, representing God's kingdom being built and restored in that area. The role we have in that is developing Christ's heart for those who don't know him, developing his heart for children. And there's something we can even learn from them that we'll talk about today. We can learn from children something about the kind of faith that we need because God calls us to depend on him like a child. He calls us to view him with childlike wonder. These are the things we're going to talk about today for a few moments from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Mark 10. We're in the gospel of Mark. This is an account, a story of Jesus. And in this part of Mark's gospel, Jesus is talking to his disciples and the others around them about what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, to follow the course of life, the path that Jesus sets for his people. In the passage we're going to look at immediately before it, he's had a conversation about marriage and divorce. What does marriage and divorce look like in the life of a follower of God? Immediately after the part we're looking at today, he's going to talk about money. What is money? What are possessions? What role do they have in the life of a Christ follower? But in the middle, he's talking to his disciples about children. He has something to say that followers of me will treat children in a particular way. And that way, that answer he has is with love, with lovingly accepting them and showing love to them. This account is, is very important to the disciples. We see it three times in between the Gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 19, Luke chapter 18. It must have really stood out to his followers. We're looking at it in Mark 10 because it's in, I think it's fullest expression in this passage. So let's hear what Jesus has to say about children. We've heard about the needs from Stan and Linda, so what does Jesus have to say? If you're not already there, please turn to Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. And once you're there, I'd ask you to please stand to honor the reading of God's word and follow along as we read our passage. Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Passage says, they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. 
And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray. God, I I thank you for the presentation we've heard about compassion and how humbling it is to hear about great needs around the world. I pray that we would take those needs to you and see that your heart is to show love to children because your kingdom belongs to them. God, help us to learn what that means and what our role is in bringing children to know you. I pray, God, that you would teach us through their example how we can better love you and have a relationship that honors you. May you teach us how to depend on you and how to view you with awe and wonder. God, in all of this, we're seeing your love for children, your love for us, your love that you had that led you to die and your son Christ to die for our sins. May these words we hear from him lead us to love him and know him more. May he receive the honor and glory. May he be the one who increases. It's in his name, the name of Jesus, that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. In this short passage, the first teaching Jesus has is that we should love children. We love children because, he says, the kingdom belongs to them. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. In this passage we just read, there's people, parents, who are bringing their children to see Jesus. They respected him and what he was doing, and they wanted him to touch, to place his hands on them, to bless their children. We're not told exactly how old these kids are. They could be from round birth, probably up to age 12. We don't really know, but they're bringing these kids to Jesus. And Jesus' disciples rebuke and scold the parents for doing this. And this provokes Jesus to react. He doesn't react against the parents for bringing the kids. He doesn't react against the children who are there, but he reacts against his disciples, his own followers, his closest friends. He says, no, you are the ones who are in the wrong. And in our 21st century Western mind, that may seem obvious to us, but this is the opposite of what the perspective was at the time. In the first century, when you're struggling to put food on your plate for your family, then children are are more of a liability than they are a blessing. And a child really wasn't worth something until they were old enough to work or to work in the home or to be married off for your family's benefit. It's not that parents didn't love their children, but they put a lot of thought into how are the children helping our family. It was not uncommon at this time, particularly in larger cities like Rome, for if you went to the local trash heap, you would find an abandoned child left there, perhaps even a newborn that was unwanted. So children were not valued very highly. And that was the surrounding cultural view. And I'm not saying the disciples were thinking that way. It seems more the disciples were thinking that these children were a distraction from Jesus' work thinking these children around are interrupting him. He has an important mission. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. His people, he's teaching, he's healing. And these kids are just getting in the way, preventing him from the larger ministry he can have. And sometimes we can view children that way too. 
We can view them as a distraction. After all, you always need to have somebody to watch them, and they always seem to get into trouble or do the most unexpected thing possible. I know uh, Christine and I spent some time with our nieces and nephews, and they get into unbelievable trouble that you couldn't even think of. And children, they, they don't understand the deep truths of the Bible. We can't talk about the really deep things with them. And all of those things may be true in, in some sense, but what's also true is that children can know God and that they need Jesus too. And the reason they need Jesus is because while they're kids and while they look cute and while they're probably not committing the kinds of crimes that get you thrown in jail, children are still sinners at heart. Paul says in the book of Romans that therefore as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, death spread to all men, all women, all children because all sinned. Sin has infected all of us. Without Christ's redemption and his work on our behalf, we are separated from God because of our sin, no matter how old or young we are. It's for this reason that the early church father, John Chrysostom, he said it this way, talking about this passage, he said, let the little ones come. Let the sick come to the physician. Let the lost come to their redeemer. Let them come. Let no man hinder them. And while in the branch, in their actions, in what they do, they may not have committed an evil we can see, but they are ruined in their root. We are sinners at heart and separated from God. Children need to be saved too. Now, just knowing that can lead some to try to manipulate children into making a, a false profession of faith or getting them to, to say something they don't really believe. And we shouldn't do that at all, but that doesn't change the fact that children need to know Jesus. All of us need to know Christ. All of us need his salvation. All of us are in a position by birth that we are separated from God because of our sin. We need to turn away from that sin, place our faith in Christ, the one who came, lived the perfect life we couldn't, and died so we could be made right with God. Yes, we're talking about children and showing love to them, but if we don't know Jesus, we can't be of any help to them. So do you know him? Have you come to him? Pray you'll think on that and talk to someone about how you can have a relationship with Christ, the relationship that we need and that children need. In our passage, Jesus is not pleased with what the disciples are doing. In fact, in this passage, in its different forms, this is the only time in Scripture Jesus is said to be indignant that that particular word is used. He is greatly displeased. He's displaying, showing a kind of righteous anger. And what is it that made Jesus so upset? There's lots of things that make me upset if I can't get the rest I want, if I don't like food I have, if I'm grumpy, if I'm hungry. But what was it that makes Jesus upset? Well, it's people not caring about children. And his response is, let the children, allow them to come to me. Anyone who wants to seek Jesus should be able to. He says, do not hinder, do not forbid, do not stop them from coming. Don't put unbiblical roadblocks in the way of someone coming to Jesus. He says, the kingdom of God belongs 
to such as these. Christ's kingly rule is a place for children. He's saying children are worthy of love. They are as important as adults. They are equally worthy of love. He'd actually spoken on this before. In fact, just a couple of verses earlier in the Gospel of Mark. Back in chapter 9, he took a child, put the child in the midst of the people around them, and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but receives God, him who sent me. If someone is welcoming a child, that is the action that we need to take if we're someone who has received God. Jesus loves these children for who they are, sovereign creations of the Lord, creation of this sovereign, mighty God. As British pastor J.C. Ryle said, Christ is the head of the church, and so the great head of the church found time to take special notice of children. Jesus didn't live forever on earth as a human being, like living, walking around. He only had so many years, but although his time on earth was precious, and grown-up men and women were perishing on every side for lack of knowledge. Christ knew every person's heart. He could see those who were far from him, who needed the truth. And even though that was true, and he saw their needs, he did not think little boys and girls of small importance. He had room in his mighty heart even for them. Jesus' heart had room for children. And do our hearts or do we busy ourselves in our adult lives? Again, he says the kingdom belongs to them. Now, when he says that, let me be clear, he's not saying that children are automatically Christians. I don't think that's his teaching there, but he's speaking of their childlike faith is the faith of a follower of God. I think the New Living Translation puts it really well. In verse 14, it says, He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I put the emphasis there, but those who are like these children. The key to the kingdom of heaven is becoming like a child, and we'll talk more about that later. Now, in all this expression of our heart for children, I I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we do need to avoid the opposite extreme. While children are often treated, were treated as worthless then in the first century, now there's often a temptation to put them on a pedestal and a parent making our entire life about the child. And that's really just making an idol because only God is supposed to be at the center of our life and be all important. Children are gifts from God that illustrate how we come to know him. Instead, a more appropriate response is what Jesus does in verse 16. He took them in his arms. He blessed them. He laid his hands on them. He had an affinity for children. He showed affection to them. He spoke blessing and encouragement to them. Now, I know in 21st century, some of these words may make us feel odd, but when it says that he put hands on them, there's nothing wrong or sinister in that. It's him showing pure love. He's viewing them as having intrinsic worth, that they are worthy of love, worthy of knowing God. And he lays hands on them, not as in a rough way, but as an expression of comfort. 
He knew that many of them probably had difficult lives and that he was giving them comfort, saying, God comforts you, I comfort you. And the same is true today. There's many children who have broken homes or deal with abuse or poverty like we saw with those children from Compassion International. But this is Christ's heart. He lays his hands of comfort on those who are hurting. This is a very different context, but Jesus does the same thing to one of his disciples, the Apostle John in Revelation. John says, I saw him, I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead because he sees Christ in his holiness, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. So Christ is talking about who he is, but let's not rush over what Christ does. He comforts John by putting his hand on him. Jesus loved and comforted children with his presence, with his actions saying, yes, they can come to me, and with his words. And he calls his people to do the same. The truth is that children are never too young to learn about Jesus. And the reason I know that's true is I could point to Jesus' words, but also because you just have to look at kids and know them to see they are never too young to learn how to sin. They figure that one out pretty well. If you don't believe that, then spend some time with children and you will discover they look cute, but they are little sinners. When I was in seminary, I taught Sunday school to a fourth grade class, and they were adorable, and they would say their verses and then talk about God, and it was such a a joy to see. But I have to tell you, they they were bullies to one another. They're little fourth graders, and look at they, there was some students that they would mistreat or they would gossip about one another, and as an adult, you can see that so clearly and be like, stop this, why are you doing this? And it made me think about how God must look at adults nowadays as children who do this sin that seems so clear. So yes, children are sinners. Again, as Pastor Ryle said, they have a soul which will live forever in heaven or in hell. And we cannot begin too soon to endeavor to bring them to Christ. So if we see that Christ has this heart for children, then we should ask ourselves, will we love children like Jesus does? Or will we rebuke them like the disciples? Will we say that they're just a distraction from the things that I'm trying to do in my life? Kids are just too wild for me. They're too different today. They lack respect for adults. I did my time with my own kids. I don't need to do it anymore. But that can't be our answer when our Lord and Savior had a very different response to children. And each of us has a role in this task. We need to ask ourselves an important question. If Christ loves children and expects his people to do that as well, then what is my role? What is my role in helping children to become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ? And there's many answers, many applications we could take to that. One is what Stan was mentioning. I really liked how you said that, Stan, about one way to apply Christ's words is by supporting an organization like Compassion International, becoming a sponsor that they talked about. That's one way to apply this. Or supporting another organization that does that. We do uh, Christmas shoe boxes through Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child. That's another way to 
be a part of showing love to children. Organizations like this provide physical needs for children and their families and opportunities to hear about Jesus on the other parts of the world. So I encourage you, if you think, yes, I think that's a, that's a role I could take, that's something that I could do to help love children, then, then talk to Stan and Linda as you leave today. But whether we, we do that or if we don't, we're not in a place we can do something like that, that's, that's not the end of our obligation. Because we should also ask ourselves, what are we doing in our daily life to show love to the children that are around us? Or you're here in a church, what are we doing in our church to do that? I think we need to ask ourselves this very carefully. I sometimes look and I see, I see two roads for, for our church or, or, for, or for many other churches. I see one road where we make the church a place where we feel good and where we feel comfort and it's a place where we can huddle together and enjoy being together and it'll be really nice but it won't last and it will end when, when we're gone. Or, or we can be a place where not just us, but our community around us is able to experience life change, to know Jesus Christ. It can be a place where we sacrifice our own interest. We say, yes, this is something I would like to do. This would make me comfortable, but I'm going to put that aside so I can comfort and reach others that children can have an opportunity, can hear, to hear about Jesus. And if that's the road we want to go down, then that starts with loving children by finding opportunities to tell them about Christ. There are many needs, areas of need we have here in our church of places that we need people to show Christ's love to the littlest ones in our community. Again, if we're thinking about what our role is, we can look at this summer. We have a week coming up where we're doing a vacation Bible school. And that's a great way that we can impact our community and even reach our kids, teach them more about Christ. And we're coming out of COVID, so uh, we're doing things different than we've just been doing the past few years. We're going to keep things here at the church, really focus on, on our kids and their friends, the people that they know. And we're really emphasizing personal relationships, people we know that we will invite to hear about Jesus for a week. But we really need help to make that happen. We especially need teachers, those who are willing to take time to tell kids, this is who Christ is. You know, to make it up, the resources are provided for you, but using those to communicate, this is who Christ is and the difference that he has made in my life. And the more teachers we have, the more effective we'll be at sharing God's word with the children that are here. We hear about in schools around how some schools when they're struggling financially it means larger class sizes and that leads to not as good education well the same is true if we do a vbs here the more teachers we have the more one-on-one -on -one and personal the instruction can be the better opportunities we have to point children toward christ well we don't just need teachers we need help in lots of areas i was looking at the list need help with providing snacks someone to share about what missionaries do with following up with the kids who come and their parents, talking to their parents when they're actually here at VBS. We need help with uh, making sure that our kids are safe, providing security. Could use more help with crafts or registering those who are here and many more opportunities. I, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, then 
check the list of the needs there are. You can talk to Gen G about it. You can talk to me about how you can serve and be a part of Vacation Bible School. But let's make it even more day to day or week to week. Not only this one time thing that happens one week during the summer, but throughout the year, we need help sharing Christ's love with children. We could use more people working in children's church, that means on a, a Sunday morning, and also Sunday school, the hour that happens before this. We could really use more teachers in both of those settings. And the reason is because if we have so few, then those teachers get overworked and they get burned out. And they don't have opportunities to be in adult class where they can learn about God. They have to be all the time with the kids. But the more people we have who realize, yes, it is worth it to love children, then the more we all can grow together. And maybe you say, I hear that, Pastor John, but there just aren't a whole lot of kids at the church right now. Surely they're okay. And you're right. There's not a whole lot, but that doesn't change the fact of people burning out. And if you also remember, we've spoken, I think the past two Sundays, about how Nehemiah would carefully plan before he would do something. He would entrust in God, say, God, I feel this is the direction you want me to go. I'm going to plan before I get there. Well, if we're going to be a place where we make a difference in our community, then we need to make a plan now, have people ready to serve kids now before we get there. And the same is true, there's also needs within the nursery and the really little ones so that we can have parents who are able to participate more in church and in Sunday school classes the hour before this. Again, with more volunteers, we can reach more people. If you want to make a difference in children's lives every week, or it's not that you'll be serving every week, hopefully there's enough people, there's a rotation, but if you want to be a part of that at the church, please ask, talk to me or If you've ever seen Mr. Don, or I could point him out to you, talk to him about how you can get involved in reaching children. But this isn't just something that impacts just at church. Each of us should take a personal application from this as well. If you have kids, then we're called to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with our children, and disciple them, teach them to know God. To use Jesus' words, we're not to hinder them by our faith or by our example. Kids are observant. Uh, the phrase in my head was little buggers. They're observant little ones. They, they see what you do, and they know what you believe. And if your life doesn't communicate that faith with God, that participating in church that having a relationship with Jesus, spending time with him each day, if if your life doesn't communicate that to them, then it's not going to be important to them either. So parents, pray with your children. Read the Bible to them. Yes, we will teach your children the Bible here if you bring them here. Absolutely. It is our pleasure to do that, and we think that God can work through his word. But I was thinking about this yesterday how much more influence a parent, a guardian has with their child. I, I think, I, this is me thinking, I'm not speaking from God, but I think that if, if a parent, a guardian would read one verse of scripture to a child every day, I think that would do far, much, far more good than if they were one hour of Sunday school each week. I think that daily difference, using that position of influence to point a child toward Christ. 
even the guy who I quote all the time, and you all make fun of me, but even Pastor Spurgeon said, as we sow, we reap. So let us expect our children to know the Lord. Let us from the beginning mingle the name of Jesus with their ABCs. I really like that phrase, mingle the name of Jesus with their ABCs. Teach together. This is who Jesus is. And yes, ABC, one, two, three. Parents, pray your kids would know Jesus. But that's not all of us. So if we do not have kids, whether our kids are grown or or we do not currently have them, then we still have a role to play. We can pray for children who are in our church or in the community around our church that they would know Jesus, be intentional about that. We can pray for the parents that we know in the church, pray that they would lead and disciple their children well. If you don't have kids but you see a parent who does, encourage them in their ministry to their kids. Or if if you don't have kids and you have the time, then serve the children in one of these ministries, whether it's vacation Bible school, children's church, Sunday school, serve when you're here at church. We all need to discover and practice our role in making disciples among the children in our life. And why do we do this? Why, why are we bothering to serve children? Well, what is it that, that we get out of it? Well, if we want something out of it, we should know that children can teach us about how we relate to God. Because it's looking at children that Christ says we should love God like a child. He specifically points to because we depend on him and because he's worthy of wonder. Listen to verse 15 about how we love God like a child. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child shall not enter it. He says, truly I say to you, this is important. We're going to receive God's kingdom. We must receive it like a child. What does that mean? What does it mean to receive God's kingdom like a child? Well, I think there's at least two things we could talk about. The first one is because we depend on him. We love God like a child because we depend on him. We have to receive God's kingdom like a child would, with a joy, a wonder, and a dependence that we need God in our lives. A well-known pastor named Warren Wearsby spoke about this. He said, we tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after the children. As a child depends on his parents, as a child is helpless, if a child needs their parents to be alive, that is the attitude we should have toward God. Not the attitude, I'm in charge of my life, I can make my life right, but the weaker, the lower we realize we are, the better we position ourselves to receive God's grace. We're talking about humility. And this is the point Jesus makes very clear in Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, Jesus, uh, the disciples came to him and they asked him a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus, if you could talk about who the best follower of you is, who would you say? Jesus calls to him a child puts the child in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
He turns their whole question on their head, says, you're looking at the wrong way. You need to look at who is the lowest, the most in need. That is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. To use the words of our passage, that is the one who receives the kingdom. And notice that word Jesus uses in our text, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child. His kingdom's not earned. It's not something we get to by the good things we do, but it's received from God, like receiving a gift. If we want to use the child analogy, like how a baby has to sit there and receive the food, the airplane from mom and dad in their mouth. The the baby's not grabbing it. They need to receive it. This is what uh, Jesus' half-brother James would say about our relationship to God's word as well. James says, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Salvation is not earned. It is something that is received. We receive God by faith. We trust that he alone can save us. Expect that he is the one who can bring us to him. We depend on him. This is what a child gets. A child understands that they are helpless. Mom, dad, help me. Help, help, please help. They understand that they cannot do everything. That is the attitude we need before God. As they trust and depend on the one who's in authority over them, so should we. A child is completely dependent on their parents, and that's how we should depend on God completely and fully. There's even an interesting contrast between this story we just read and the one that happens immediately after this. Jesus says that you should receive God's gift like a child in this kind of humility depending on God. And the very next thing that happens is there's a rich young man who comes to Jesus and he talks about all the great things that he has done. And then look how Jesus responds. Jesus looks at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. And this man was disheartened by that saying. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Do you see the difference here? Right after each other, we have a child who want to come to Christ, and Christ brings to them. He cares for them. And then this man who says, I can do it on my own, and Christ says, well, then give up your money. And he can't do that because he trusts in his wealth. He does not depend on God, unlike the children who know that God alone should be trusted. That's the question for us. Do we depend on God alone, or do we depend on ourselves? In many ways, that is the basis, the bottom of the gospel, is, is our life about what we've done and accomplished, or what Christ has done for us. From children, we learn to depend on God. And we learn one other thing. We learn that God is worthy of wonder. He is worthy of wonder and all. God is worthy of wonder. What he is doing and his work, it fills the imagination of children. I'll confess, I was very blessed to be brought up in, in this church with many of you. And... The stories that I know from God's word, that I know best, they're the ones that were taught to me as a child. My childlike mind latched on to those mental pictures or perhaps pictures that were shown me of what God did in his word. My imagination was wrapped up in it. 
And who God is should fill our imagination as well. This is something that kids get so clearly. I love the imagination that children show. I've been chased by tigers with my nieces and nephews, or I've been a bear or a monster that they have to knock over with a ball and then jump on again and again and again. But their minds are filled with imagination and wonder. And ours should be too. Because that creative mind that children have that can get excited about so many things, that mind is primed and ready to be excited about God. And a child has this this innocence, this wonder that they're willing to believe what they are told. And yes, that's why we need to take extra steps to protect children because they can be easily taken advantage of because they believe what they are told. But on the other hand, that, that kind of trust that complete trust, that honest acceptance of truth, that is such a wonderful gift. A child can accept, for the Bible tells me so, and that, that's enough for them. As adults, we're, we're often too cynical for that. We, we've lost our sense of wonder. We don't trust what others say or what others do. And I understand that a lot of that can come from traumatic experiences in our past, but from children we can learn a greater sense of wonder at who God is and truly be in awe of what he has done for us through his son. How he has sent someone who didn't have to come to live and die for us, to save us. And if we have that wonder, then we'll respond the way other authors in scripture respond. For example, consider Paul's words in Romans 11. He says, oh, the depths, the riches the wisdom, and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. And in isolation, that might not seem like much, but in Romans, Paul's been making a very careful argument. He's been saying, if this is true, then this is true. He's making a point, but he pauses here to just worship and say, oh God, the depths, the riches, the wisdom of your knowledge, your ways are so far beyond our own. So I pray that we will learn from children. I pray that we would find our role in loving them. However that is, fitting in in our daily life, in our church, or showing love to children that we may never meet in this life through organizations like Compassion. I pray that we'll find our role and that we'll also see in children how we should love God, completely dependent on him and in all of wonder of what he has done for us because he is worthy of that response.